It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Tuesday, the 5th of July, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee on Rocky Top. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Paul. Greetings from Rocky Top. Hope you had a great 4th of July. Uh, I will tell you, and you know this, that in the sports world, when that July 4th holiday comes and goes, we all know what's coming, and that's football season just around the corner. It's, it's so funny because this time of year is like a magical break where all the humans leave and and then when they all come back, everyone, whether you're a team or you're a sponsor, you come back and it's raw panic because the chaos is coming and you wake up because you know you only got a month before football season and nobody's ready. Even though we had months to work on this, we all come back from 4th of July in the same state of mess. I think we all realize that the next holiday, the Labor Day holiday, we will be playing football. Um, And so the home stretch is in front of us. There's a lot to get done over the next 45 days, Um, but there's also a lot of excitement. I mean, all the teams across the country are undefeated and uh, optimism reigns eternal. Um, And it's a, it's a fun time of year. So you work from, you know, whenever the sun comes out for the first time in Tennessee and like, you know, March and you work on that beach body for months and you finally show it off this last weekend, 4th of July, only to ravage it with flesh on fire and Cheetos for five straight days. So you can come back and now start to regret everything that's happened and you have no recovery until Labor Day when you can eat and tailgate to you know to your own detriment so you can get your cholesterol level up where the doctor is concerned again and then in march again you can start on the beach body absolutely my, my wife likes to remind me that that i have graduated out of the beach body phase into the dad bod phase mm, uh, that's what a compliment so, that is you know i work hard on that dad bod rest mm. assured Okay. So last episode, we talked about radio and its place in the inventory mix of, uh, of college sponsorships. So today we're going to talk about another media that is struggling uh, to ensure its proper place in the future. And that is the uh, the coaches television show. Uh, and so, you know, Brandon, we all grew up with iconic coaches shows, whether it was Bear Bryant with his huskily, growly voice hawking golden flakes while he sipped on a Coca-Cola and talked about Alabama football, or it was Texas coach Fred Akers sitting on a bass boat mumbling to himself in unintelligible 30 minutes of television, or Coach Bryant, my favorite, I mean, uh, Coach uh, Bowden, my favorite, who spent the entire show talking about what each mother of the players made when he visited them on their official visit and giving them a very, very deep critique of each of those food groups. And they were all the best thing he's ever tasted, but that was pretty much the show because the highlights were just running in the background while he talked about food. Uh, They were all amazingly charming in their own homespun way. Uh, And then seemingly overnight, they weren't. And and the charm left these shows and they became kind of plastic. And uh, and we've had to reinvent ourselves a little bit. Very much so. Uh, And I think over the recent years, um, the evolution of the conference networks uh, with the majority of those running through ESPN has impacted 
the local television opportunities that are available to to each of the universities. Uh, prior to the SEC network at Tennessee, uh, we had our traditional coaches TV shows, which we produced one for football, men's basketball, women's basketball, uh, and and then we also had specials that we ran throughout the year. So there was a preseason football special, a preseason basketball special, and then we had a spring sports show. Uh, that ran for, I think, six weeks uh, that covered spring football, baseball, spring sports. Um, and then you also had a limited number of live televised basketball games that fell into that mix. So, you know, for us, the Vault Television Network was a real viable opportunity um, if, if you were interested in television programming. Once, once the, the network started to launch relative to the conferences, that's when things started to change. And so, uh, when you strip away the rights that are now controlled by the conference networks and ESPN, it leaves you with those coaches TV shows. Um, and, and I can tell you as a marketer of, of Tennessee, I need a television product uh, because obviously that becomes uh, an important piece of a portfolio that many sponsors still want to have. Uh, but uh, to your point, what does that programming look like? What is going to get viewers to tune in and viewers of all ages? Uh, yeah. Because what you're talking about was a format that existed for generation, really generations where coaches would come on their show and then they would do a review of the previous Saturday's game. Right. And it's usually uh, Sunday morning, you know, before church, whatever. Yes. Um, and it was sort of a traditional thing that you got up on Sunday, you watched the coach's TV show, got in your car, went to church. Yep. Um, and, and, and we would listen to Johnny Majors here at Tennessee uh, fuss and gripe and go on about whatever happened the day before on the field, win or lose. And it, became, it was sort of a tradition then. And I do think there, there's probably an older element of our audience that still enjoys that format. Uh, but I also think there's another younger audience that that looks more for behind the scenes type content um and so when you're formatting these shows how do you format them to reach the largest audience uh and then the and then the other really elephant in the room is at what participation level does your head coach have buy-in and that, that's where i want to pause for a second because i want to kind of you know i know it's not maybe germane to the people who want to make things great but what's fascinating to me is why they went south Right. I mean, coaches are still recruiting. They're still able to charm parents. They're still able to charm human beings. They're coaches that they're part of their life is motivation. And yet, I think because of the way media is consumed now, they are afraid of being charming and saying fun things. And so coaches have become plastic. And so inherently, the stuff is not as good. Right. I mean, because what made those shows great had nothing to do with whether you won or lost. It was just it was the idiocy that came out of their mouths when they talked about and they weren't afraid of it. They weren't afraid of saying something that way. And and so that type of show, which was fun because of it, went away because every coach is afraid of saying something wrong. It's going to be repeated. It's going to be on social. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. That's number one. Number two, the fact is, is that a highlight show is consumed by the media, I mean, consumed by pub the public, immediately after the game, there are highlight packages everywhere. 
right? right? And so every game's on TV, which was not always the case. We talked about that with radio. And now that every game is on TV, everyone is rushing to put together highlight packages and what happened. And, and so over the next three hours after a game, that stuff is out there and done. And so the old coaches show the purpose of it seems to have gone away. Yeah, and, and thinking about it from the coach's perspective, when, when the original radio and television ne- networks were established for, for a lot of the larger schools across the country, the goal behind those shows and behind that programming was for coaches to be able to communicate with recruits. Uh, for instance, in Tennessee, uh, you got a recruit in Nashville. If the game's not on television, uh, the coach can communicate to the student athlete. If you listen to us on this radio station, you can hear our games. And so they used it as a recruiting advantage. And when television came along, same thing. It, it really became almost a, a one hour or 30 minute infomercial about your program. And it was a way to sell your program. But for all the reasons you just talked about, we consume content so differently now that I don't think coaches put nearly the recruiting value on their TV show or, or necessarily the game broadcast. And I think that impacts the, the efforts you get. That's, that's part one. Part two, uh, the coaches now have so many more media responsibilities than they did, quote unquote, back in the day. Uh, and in a lot of instances, the coach's TV show was the one program where you would get the longest run with a coach at one at one particular time. So whether it's a 30 minute show or an hour show, you were guaranteed to be with the coach for that period of time and, and hear what what he thought. Um, but with all the media responsibilities that come with the world we live in today. There's so many responsibilities. Lots of times it it. it it becomes looked at as as another responsibility added to the plate that's not necessarily helping them in recruiting. Uh, so they it, it, it becomes something that becomes challenging for them to, to get excited about and want to do. And that reflects in the content. And, you know, it's funny, you, you talked about um, their time, and I think that's what's happening right now. The actual execution um, is that the radio call-in show, which is still a viable Q&A, you know, whether it's half hour or hour, if they're going to be a coaching show, it's probably a simulcast of a radio show now, you know, so they'll, they'll go in and they'll film that and they'll show that programming because that's on a Tuesday and th- that Q and a uh, might be different from the Q and a they did on Monday or Sunday or Saturday after the game. So people might still care in their, in their broadcasting. I was going to tell one kind of funny story about the coaches, um, you know, way back in uh, when I was in school, I was an intern uh, in the, in the athletic department uh, at FSU and the Florida and South Georgia Ford dealers used to do a commercial with uh, Coach Bowden, Coach Pell from Florida, and Coach Dooley from Georgia. They would do all three commercials. They filmed them in three consecutive weekends. And uh, and so I was tasked, um, they did them in a specific order, by the way. They always did Bowden first, and then they did Dooley second and Pell third because Bowden was easy, did it in a quick, very friendly. They loved working with him. They got all the kinks worked out from all the things they had to do. Then they went to Dooley, who was a little bit more you know, brusque and not as matter of fact anyway. And then they waited till they got everything completely settled because by the time they got to coach Pell, who was a horse's ass, they wanted to have that thing done. And so they could walk in and he'd only give them 15 minutes. And so they just nailed it and they were easy for him. So I was tasked with going um, as a 20 year old. uh, They said, Hey, please take coach Bowden to this video shoot. So and I go over and, you know, I hello coach Bowden. Hey, Hey Paul, uh, do you mind driving? Uh, no. And I get, you know, behind the wheel of a car that's 
far and away nicer than any vehicle I've ever driven in my life. And I'm driving him. So I am now just a mess. I'm probably, I'm probably physically sweating in front of him. Probably water is dropping off my nose. We're driving down the road. The, the radio station is a religious station. He is singing every word, to every religious song on the station, belting it out while we're driving down the road to get to the Florida South Georgia Ford commercial. He gets out of the car. They give him the lines. He goes, got it. And he just ad libs it. Just ad libs the commercial. He's out of there in 20 minutes. We get back and he goes, you want, you mind dropping me back? I, I think I, I think I had pits down to my, down to my waist at this point. I was so nervous. He was going to ask me to drive back. I was so thankful to have gotten him there safe. I can't believe I had to drive him back, but I did. Um, but working with coach Bowden was, uh, he was, he was amazing. I was just a nervous mess as a 20 year old um, going back to coaches shows. So I, I think, you know, we talked about the radio discussion last week and, and how they still have a place. And I think radio, I think we agreed with that, but I think the traditional coaches show, I think we both kind of come to the same conclusion. They probably don't have a great place in the mix right now. So, and you said it earlier, you know, we've got to find an alternative and shoulder programming is an alternative um, with, from a television perspective, you still need to sell some television. I think most college programs around the country sell some television um, but it's certainly got to be something that is different. Um, and whether, and you've got to give information that again, is not somewhere else. And I want to get your perspective on something I wrote down, Brandon. I, I know that, you know, hard knocks does a great job with the NFL, uh, and, and similar situation showtime came in and did a, a deal, uh, with Florida state a couple of years ago. And, and that content, um, where they're on the road, they're interviewing coaches as they're driving in the office at four in the morning and they're in the weight room and they're grabbing video. And that is never going to grow old. And right. I know that that's why you have a social media department and you're using most of that content you're getting now in short form on social media. But if that was a weekly show, if that was a television output, don't you think that would do really well? Is that concept, the hard knocks concept in, in a TV show, it could be the new coaches show if you will no i i agree 100 i think the the exclusive content is key and everyone is after the content they can't get anywhere else so you think about over time you started with content originally with games actually being played on the field and being televised live and for a period of time only a short you know a certain portion of a regular season was televised so when it was special when you could watch your team on tv then we graduated to the place where all the games are televised, so you don't ever have to miss one. Now we're to a place where not only are the games televised, but if you want to watch the coach's weekly press conference, uh, there's options to do that. If you want to get practice footage, uh, there's options and places where you can get that content. And so you're still searching for that additional content that you can't get anywhere else. And so going on the road with your team, what did it look like when that team boarded the airplane to take the charter flight? What's it, what was the footage at the team hotel? What did the team meetings look like leading up to the game? What are the focal points of the coaching staff? How did they get the team ready? All of that content, I think, is content that people would consume. And you're right, the schools do have these departments where, where in short form video, two to three minute videos, I think is, is, is from a production standpoint, is something that's that's doable. I think when you start looking at long form content around like what Hard Knocks does, uh, the hours of footage that you then have to record and cut up and edit and piece together to get a full, if it's a one hour show to get 40 minutes of content, 
it becomes pretty laborious. And I think that's the biggest challenge in the college space is we're simply not equipped well enough to produce our own version of hard knocks internally without having to hire a significant amount of additional staff or paying the hundreds of thousands of dollars that it would cost to do, say, a 12-week series during football. Uh, but, without, but here's the thing. Let's think differently for a second. Right now, you're thinking that, you know, it, it should be a 24-minute or 40-minute, right, or a 48-minute, right? You're thinking about right. half-hour, hour-long traditional TV stuff. Well, it, I'm, there's a hybrid between a social media post on Instagram and a show that could, that could appear in something that you could produce on your website, right? So a 12, let's say that it's a, an 8 to 15-minute weekly segment that takes you behind the scenes of North Dakota football or takes you behind the scenes of Iowa basketball or whatever that is, that short form could live on a website. And if it was done right, would replace the coaches show, right? It's just got to be done to a, a point where it would work, right? Yeah. And some of it depends on the distribution channels. Um, you know, I would say a lot of the schools in the Southeastern Conference, you're watching their coaches' TV shows through a regional cable network like Valley Sports, or you're consuming it through their school's official athletics website. Um, for us, we're on the official website. We're on a regional cable network with Valley. But then we are also on local over-the-air affiliates across the state of Tennessee. So you can consume it. Uh, depending on the market you're in, either on an ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox affiliate. So we, in our in our specific situation, truly need, and it's formatted to be one hour, we need that 48 minutes mm -hmm. of content to then be created. Now, should we think differently and alternatively and what, what's ultimately the supreme value of, of the statewide affiliates and running on over-the-air television? Um, you know, a lot of that value is in the eyes of the beholder. Uh, and the advertiser uh, that the, what the, that value is being delivered. Um, but I, I do think futuristically, we have to think differently about it. And, and I think formatting and programming is going to look differently. One of the things I, I've always, you know, I, I, I take back, you know, in, in my, in my former career, when I was with the Buccaneers, I, you know, you'd work late at night and I would wander in the back of the building and Monty Kiffin Lane's father uh, was always breaking down film. And he was gracious enough to let me sit in there. And of course, it's nine o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm the only other one in the building. And so we're, he's breaking down film with me. And, it, and I learned so much football just watching this guy move his teleprompter um, around with his end zone footage. I'm thinking, you know, fans, I mean, just most fans, I don't think we give enough credit to the, to the general public, but they don't really understand film breakdown, right? They don't understand right. what coaches do. I've always felt like what the next generation should do is it would be great TV programming to do that for you. And maybe it's an assistant coach who does a, a 24 minute, whatever. Um, but I would love to have like two people in the room, you know, someone who's new to football and then a coach and they go through it together about what happened this last game, you know, and it could be like a series of four plays and that's, the coaches would, would do that. They don't have to think because they love that talk. They'll all get excited because they love football. And if they broke it down where Joe Bob fan can all of a sudden understand the game, it seems like it would, it would benefit all of us. It's sponsorable and it's great content. Yeah, no, it is good content. And, and I do think regardless of your format, fans want to consume football in some form or fashion. And while the team meetings and all this behind the scenes footage is important, why did this touchdown play work? I would love to have that dissected for me 
mm-hmm. and the way that a coach views that content versus maybe me as a fan watching that content. Because you um, know coaches are frustrated. They go to a press conference and they try to answer a question and, and, and these reporters all think they're the smartest thing in the world. They don't even understand. They don't understand basically why this is play work and why did this play not work. And I yeah. know you don't want, I don't know, we, we all don't deserve to be behind the curtain. But a coach on a weekly basis could do that. I mean, and it could be football for dummies, you know, that, hey, we're going to have this every week and we're going to do. And that's a that is a 24 minute show that would actually work if you broke down four to six plays every week. And the coaches don't need to get excited about that because it's their passion breaking down. You get a coach who has the personality of a sidewalk and ask them to break down a play and they'll get excited. (laughs) Correct. Our previous coach was exactly like I had a shoot that we did with him. And he was not excited about being there. Um, and and his uh, his his facial expression showed that and, and was not going to be a lot of fun to deal with. But we had one specific spot we were trying to cut with him. And we wanted to have him break down some film and just let us let him talk. And we just recorded him breaking down film. And it's like a light switch went on with him immediately. Right. Because he could talk football. Right. Um, he didn't care about anything else. He just wanted to talk ball. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that, that sort of content has value. Yeah. I, I just, I, I've always, I felt like, you know, and I was a, you know, I'm a 25 year old kid just sitting there and he is, I, I thought I knew ball. I thought I knew ball. I thought I knew all the things. And then I realized that, Oh yeah, I don't know hardly anything. They are yeah. a whole different level and it doesn't have to be that, sophisticated you have to sit there and, and and but goodness gracious that would be great content and i think it would be uh uh it would be great i think ultimately we're circling back to the point that we've got to be different and, and whether you're a, a a multimedia rights holder or you're just there a small school and you're trying to figure out how do i get some television content uh even if it's not traditional tv but it's website based or streaming based whatever it is you've got to be creative as you said earlier because uh the the old if you've got, if right now you are a buyer and someone is trying to sell you a traditional coaching show, and Brandon may not agree with this, but if you're trying to sell a traditional coaching show, that's a tough putt because the ratings are not there. And, and people are, have consumed everything that's in that traditional coaching show before that coach comes on the air. And you'll, you're seeing it in the coach's attitude and you're seeing it in the ratings afterwards. And so the, 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 the change in programming is coming and it has to come. Absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, I think back when when I started here, our coach's show would be recorded live in Knoxville at 9 a.m. And there were there was always two elements from a guest perspective that would come over to the to the studios. Uh, Coach Fulmer would always have recruits come by the studio to see the show being taped because it was the novelty of watching a television show be taped in a studio. And then it was also an opportunity for us to take sponsors to the TV show taping and give them a chance to interact with the coach. Um, and, and I just think in, in, in the world that we live in today and how we all consume media, this just, it's, it's, it's really past its prime in a lot of ways. Um, Isn't it, I mean, would we have ever predicted that, Brandon, 20 years ago when we were sitting there and looking at how radio, you know, there, there was the radio coaches show and the TV coaches show, would we have ever predicted, hey, go forward 20 years and radio will be hanging in there and be doing fine. And the TV coaches yeah. show will be dead. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> we, no. And you, you look at the assets now that that elevate themselves to the top of the priority list with social media, intellectual property rights, in-venue signage, digital signage, all of those things were, were things that were just coming on when I started. And really our bread and butter was radio and television. 
and we built everything around that. Um, and I guess it's just the the evolution of of the media world and sports marketing in general. And I think it's going to continue to evolve. Yeah, uh, it will. And, and, and TV, and there's a reason. I mean, T, that this is another example. I mean, there's a reason that rights fees, or the reason the SEC is getting whatever it is, $80 million a school now, is because live sports programming ain't getting worse. It's getting better. That's the only thing people consume live, and we can talk about that in another podcast. But the coaches show becomes another piece of recorded media. You know, it's, a, it's something that you might put on your, uh, put on your DVR and come back to. Now, and, I, and I'll tell you something that we've been talking about here, and you're right, live content reigns supreme in just about every instance, uh, but we've been talking about our own version of a pregame football show where it's almost like the Rose Bowl Parade production where we can capture all of the live action that's going on on campus on that game day leading up to kickoff, because if you're not if you're not on campus for the game and you're you're in Nashville, Tennessee, you have no idea what that ball walk looked like when the buses pulled up, our team got off the buses, and then here's this wave of orange people. You know, being able to televise that content, uh, you know, our band, which does a traditional march across campus, being able to cover that, go to the field and pregame. I do think there there's some opportunities around especially tradition-rich schools who have traditional things that occur that mean so much to so many, being able to deliver that content to the masses, I do think has value and potential long-term. Question is, how do we produce that with everything else that we have going on on game day? Yeah, well, and that's why, you know, all these networks, you know, with the fact that you've got a staff of probably 20 to 50 on campus that are, you know, working on games right now, there's a bunch of kids out there that need some work, you know, let's intern them up, let's go at it. But anyway, that's that. That's uh, I think we've uh, I think we put the the, the coffin on uh, the coaches show uh, as it stands. With but I, I do believe there's there's other things we could do um, with coaches. Certainly that'd be amazing. But I think that we've explained why the coach show is is going the way it has. So anyway, so thank you for all of our listeners for downloading. We hope your fourth was as good as ours. We will see you again in two weeks. On behalf of the gorgeous Brandon Parks, I'm Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. Thanking you for listening to Knox Talk. See you for now. <laughs>